turn over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, and this week I'm going to share with you something that I've entitled, You've Already Got It. So quit trying to get it. How many of you came here expecting God to move and to do something special for you? Amen. You know, the truth is, God's already moved. If you came here expecting God to do something special for you, you're going to be disappointed. What I hope to do is to change your, your thinking that we don't need God to do something. We don't need God to touch us. We don't need God to heal us. We don't need God to deliver us. We don't need God to prosper us. God has already done everything that you need. We aren't here looking for a victory. We are actually coming from a victory that Jesus won 2,000 years ago. And the Lord has already provided everything that any of us will ever need. And I know that there's a lot of people here that just think, well, this can't be because I'm, I'm sick. I mean, here's my doctor's report to prove that I'm sick and you're telling me that I don't need to be healed. You already have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living on the inside of you. You don't need God to stretch forth his hand and to heal you. What you need is a revelation of what you've already got. You need to find out what we've got. And I tell you, once you find out that you're already blessed, that you're already prospered, that God has already done it, then this changes everything. Instead of you identifying with defeat and saying, well, I am sick and I am poor and oh God, help me the way that most Christians are praying today. Instead, you begin to start seeing through the word of God that this is who I am. This is what I have. God has already blessed me. I got it in here and now it's just a matter of me getting it out. And you know, some people may say, well, what's the difference? One way or the other, whether I need God to touch me or whether I need to get it out on me, the truth is I'm still sick in my body. I'm still poor. I'm still depressed. I still need this. It's a huge difference. It's a huge difference when you start realizing that God has already done his part and that you aren't waiting on God to move. God is waiting on you to believe and to stir yourself up and to do something to release the power that's on the inside. It is a totally different way of looking at things. And you know, this whole book of Ephesians was written from this perspective. Most people don't really study the word. They read it kind of basically as a salve to soothe their conscience and to make them feel like, well, I've done something religious and now God is obligated to move in my life. But if you were to read it and study it, the book of Ephesians is absolutely opposite our religious system today. It is coming from a totally different standpoint. Man, I, there's just so much that I'd love to say about this. Let's look here in Ephesians chapter 1. Let's read a few of these verses. In chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. You know, you don't really have to read any further than that to already contradict our religious system. Because Paul is saying right here that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ. There's a large segment of the body of Christ doesn't believe that apostles are for us today. Well, then just tear Ephesians out of your Bible, amen. Because it was written by an apostle and it's, anyway, I could go on and on about that. And it says, uh, to the saints, which are in Christ Jesus. There's a whole segment of the body of Christ today that believe only a few people are called to be saints and you have to be dead for a hundred years 
before you can be canonized and made into a saint. This is talking about anybody who's born again is a saint. And most people, I'm not a saint. Because you know what? You're looking on the outside. You're looking at your actions. You know what you've done wrong. You know the thoughts that you've had and you think this isn't saintly. But see, again, everything I've got out there all blends together. And I've got a teaching entitled Spirit, Soul, and Body. And in your spirit, the part of you that was born again, you are a saint. You are holy, set apart. You are as righteous and pure as Jesus is. And this isn't something that you are obtaining to. It's not something that you're trying to become like Jesus. And someday when we die and go to heaven, then you will be a saint. No, in your spirit, you are right this moment as pure, as righteous, as holy as Jesus is. There's a few of you that get that. But you know what? The vast majority of people like... I can't believe this. And it's because we are carnal. We look at things in the carnal. We look at ourselves based on our actions and how we look and think in our mind. But in your spirit, you are a saint. You're holy. You're pure. You are forgiven of all sin. All sin has already been forgiven. Not only the sins you committed in the past, but the sins you haven't even committed yet are already forgiven. You know, I've already said enough to upset a lot of people. And we just got to the first verse. In verse 2, it says, Grace be to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, radically different. You know what the average church is preaching? Wrath. God's angry with you. You're a sinner. He's holy. You're unholy. Repent or else. Turn or burn. God's going to get you. And unless you straighten up your act, God's not going to do anything in your life. I had a guy come talk to me tonight and he, he admitted. He says, I'm living in sin. And he just was... Absolutely terrified that God was going to leave him and forsake him. You know where he gets that from? Religion. But God is not mad at you. He's not even in a bad mood. God is paid for sin. Does this mean that you shouldn't live in sin? No, I went on to tell this guy that the guilt and the condemnation and the fear that he was having was the result of giving himself over to the devil and allowing sin to have its input in his life and And you know what? Sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. If you are living in sin, stop it. Amen? You're stupid if you live in sin. But I'm saying God loves you, stupid. God is not mad at you. God is not upset with you. There's grace and peace unto you. This is how he started his letter to the Ephesians. And this wasn't because the Ephesians were perfect. It wasn't because they had it. They're just like the people today. They had all kinds of problems. Did you know Ephesus is where the great goddess Diana of the Ephesians was? And they actually had over a thousand priestesses who what worship was, you went there and you had sex with these prostitute priestesses. That was the way that they worshiped. The great goddess, goddess Diana. Nearly all of these people had participated in that in the past. It was, a, it was a terrible place. There was a lot of bad things going on. They had multiple wives. They had all kinds of problems and things. And yet he starts off grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Some of you might think, well, the Ephesians were really better than that. Well, go back to the book of Corinth. Corinthians. Nearly everybody would agree that they were the most carnal group that Paul ever wrote to. They were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. And they were having all kinds of problems. And yet he starts off talking about the goodness and the grace of God and talks about the good and he ministers peace and grace towards them. I'm telling you that the religious system today is saying God's angry. 
And God's imputing people's sins and he's holding you over hell with a little string that's on fire. Amen. You're about to drop into hell. Repent or else turn or burn. And they wonder why the churches aren't full. Amen. That won't draw a lot of people. You know what? We need to be preaching the goodness. He's saying grace and peace is multiplied unto you. And then in verse three, look at this. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath Hath means it's already been done. See, the church today is saying God can bless you. God could prosper you. God can heal your body. God can move in your life. But it's dependent on whether you come to church, whether you pay your tithe, whether you do this, whether you do this, whether you do this. And if you don't do all of these things, then God won't bless you. But instead... God's liable to put sickness on you because you didn't pay your tithes and he'll take it from you in doctor bills. If you don't pay your tithes, he'll make you sick and put you in the hospital and take it from you in doctor bills, take it from you in medication. Some of you think I'm making that up. I went to a church that taught that. If you don't pay your tithes, God will make your car break down. He'll make your washing machine break down. He'll get his 10% with interest one way or the other. The church is preaching the Godfather instead of God the Father, amen. (laughs) They're preaching it like you either pay God off and pay your protection money or God's going to take it from you, amen. I'm telling you that that is not the truth. God has already, he hath already blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1, 3. God has already blessed you. What are these blessings? You know, the way that this is worded here, some people interpret this, that they're, they're just in the spiritual realm, that they aren't real, they aren't tangible. And yet, like if you read this in the Amplified, many of the other translations, it says He's blessed us with all heavenly and earthly blessings. This is just an old English way for saying that God has already done everything. God has already blessed you with everything. God has already done His part. He, if you need healing, God has already healed you. And some of you, again, are just confused because you say, I'm not healed. I can't move. I can't get up out of this wheelchair. I still have this pain. But God has already placed raising from the dead power on the inside of you. If I can talk fast enough tonight, I'm just going to keep reading these scriptures. And it'll say this right here in the first chapter of Ephesians. It'll go on and tell you that you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of you. It's not out there someplace. See, again, the church basically has said, oh, God is out there, but we've got these demonic powers that are standing in between us and God and they're blocking our prayers from getting up into heaven. People will say things like, your prayer didn't get above the ceiling. You don't need your prayer to get above your nose. God lives right here. That's the reason you bow your head when you pray so that you can look at God, amen. You say, Father, amen. But see, people have this, oh, God's out there in our prayers. We've got to clear the heavens and get rid of the demons. In the 10th chapter of the book of Daniel, there is an instance where the demonic powers blocked Daniel's prayer that a messenger was coming and the prince of Persia withstood him. But you know what? That's an Old Testament scripture. When God was out there, now God lives on the inside of you. And... This whole thing of demonic powers blocking our prayers and we've got to get 100,000 people praying and agreeing and there's these strongholds. You know, we went over to Salem to eat lunch today 
And uh, that's where they had the witch trials and all this stuff. And I've heard people before talk about the demonic powers that are there because of the witch trials and stuff like that. And that that is a hard place and demonic activity. And it's just silly. It's just silly. It's religious. Thank you for that one head nod. <laughs> Some of you. You know, I've gone places and there, there's people all over this nation that they tell me that, oh, th- this is Salem. Or in uh, Colorado, oh, this is, uh, you know, this mining camp. And you don't know what used to go on back here in the 1800s. Or this is what we did to the Indians over here. And until we get all of these things atoned for and repented of, there's demonic powers that are hindering this. And you don't understand that this is where something happened. And all of the, and they are always looking for an excuse why their church isn't growing and why they aren't effective and they're trying to justify how ineffective they are because you don't understand there's demonic powers here. If you can't say amen, say oh me. And some people, well, what's wrong with that thinking? The difference is God's moved on the inside of us. These demons aren't standing between us and God. I'm not saying that there aren't demons. There are demons. But you know what? They're here by your invitation. (laughs) Satan can't do anything without your consent and cooperation. If if you've got an oppression on you, well then get rid of it. I, I need you to cast it out. I actually had a man come one time and he wanted me to cast the devil out. And he started quoting scriptures and saying, I know that you have the power to cast out the devil and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And I said, if you know these things, why don't you cast them out? And he says, I can't, you've got to do it. And I said, see, that's the problem right there. You don't believe that this applies to you. And I started ministering to him and he got so mad, he spit this big old wad of chewing tobacco right in my face. And got mad at me and you, you cast these demons out. And I said, you cast them out. You resist it. If you resist the devil, he'll flee from you, not just from me. And he was thinking, I can't do it. I have no power. That's the reason that the devil was oppressing his life. You got to recognize that God has already given you power and authority. And the only reason Satan is able to do what he's doing is because of our ignorance, because we don't know these things. And we've been taught that, oh, there's demonic powers over Boston and we just can't have a revival. What we've got to do is have 100,000 people agree together and pray and we've got to fast and we've got to do something to break this. Jesus broke it. Jesus defeated the devil. What Jesus did is greater than what the devil has done and quit using all of these things as an excuse for why it's not working and that you've got to pray more and you've got to do all of this. And just start believing that Jesus has already done it. That you're set free. You're already blessed with all spirit. Well, I'm trying to get a blessing. Most Christians are running from meeting to meeting. Like, you know, if you could see in the spirit realm, their tongue would be hanging out, just panning from, man, I'm at this meeting. Maybe this one's got what I need. No, God's got what you need and it's already been done. And if you're born again, you've already had placed on the inside of you what it takes for you to be absolutely victorious. You don't need somebody else to lay hands on you. You don't need any of these other things. What we need is a revelation of what we've already got. This says, blessed, God hath, past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Not some of them, all of them, all of them. 
Anything that God has and is, anything that God can do has already been done. It's, you're already blessed with it. And again, I refer you back to this teaching on spirit, soul, and body because people think, well, that's not true of me. Why not? Oh, because here's my doctor's reports that prove that I've got sickness instead of healing. All the doctor can do is search your physical body. He can't search your spirit. He can't tell you what's, what you have in the spirit. The Bible is how you see what you have in the spirit. In John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This is spirit. God said by his stripes, you were healed. 1 Peter 2, 24. Were healed, not are going to be healed, could be healed, might be healed. You were healed. And again, if I can keep talking fast enough, I'll read these verses right here in Ephesians chapter one, that you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead already on the inside of you. You don't need God to touch you. You don't need God to come move in your life. What you need to do is find out that God has already done everything. When Jesus came to this earth, he died for our sins and he not only forgave us of our sins, but he healed our body. He delivered us from the power of the devil. He gave you his same power and authority. You've already got everything that you need. The only thing that is hindering us is our stinking thinking. This brain is what gets in our way and we go, well, the doctor says this, this is what I've got. Again, all he's doing is searching your body, but he's not telling you what you've got in the spirit. And if you would see who you are in the spirit and recognize what you have inside in the born again part of you and begin to think that way, then as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. And if you thought that you were healed, if you saw yourself healed, you will see it on the outside once you see it on the inside. But see, most people have gotten to a place where God can do anything. He has done nothing, but he could do it. God's the great I'm going to be instead of the great I am. Or he's the great I was. He used to heal, but those things passed away with the apostles. But no, he's the great I am. God has already done everything. Everything is already complete. And if you aren't experiencing everything that Jesus has purchased for you, it's not because you haven't prayed enough and because you aren't holy enough and you haven't done enough. It's because you don't think right. It's because you think God still has to do something. If you just begin to start realizing I'm already blessed, you've already got it, then you know what? You would see it come to pass. I just saw a testimony. We're in the process of putting this out. Uh, it'll be out soon, but I saw the videos of a man in Tucson, Arizona who had a tumor on his chest right here. And he had pictures of it. And it started out at a little tumor like this. And then it grew to a tumor like that. And it was, it was bad looking. And they were showing me these pictures. And I thought, oh, that's terrible looking. And they said, you hadn't seen anything yet. And this thing got so big, it was like this. He had to get a bra and cut one of the cups out. And wear that bra to hold this up. And he had it for eight years. It just got worse and worse and worse. And he decided not to take the doctors and not let them cut on it and do stuff. And so this thing, it was terrible looking and it was bleeding and oozing things. And he had to put dressings on it twice a day. And he got hold of this teaching on you've already got it. And he started just thinking, man, I've been asking God to heal me and trying to get God to heal me instead of just believing that I'm healed. And he just started thanking God that he was healed. And... Uh, 
his wife, he told her, he says, it's done. And of course she was looking at this thing and thinking, how is it done? But he just, he made a difference in the way he thought. And he said, and he just forgot it. He says, it's done. I'm already healed. And he got to where what he saw in the spirit was more real than what he saw in his physical body. And within just a matter of weeks, she was changing these bandages. And she says, you know, it shrunk and it started shrinking. And now they, they got a picture of him and it's just a little tiny scar where that thing used to be. It's totally gone. He never had any medicine. He never had any medical treatment. He just started realizing that, praise God, I've already got it. And once you think that way, there is a period of time sometimes in between when you really believe and when you see something come to pass, but it's just a matter of time until as you think in your heart, that's the way you're going to be. And some of you, this may not bless you, but sometimes you've got to terrify a person before you can edify them. But you know what? If you are experiencing trouble tonight, if you're struggling, if you are struggling in your physical body, in your emotions, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your business, or if you're just struggling, it's because you haven't thought correctly in your heart. If you really saw that, man, I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead, I'm already blessed. I'm already blessed. I'm not trying to get God to bless me. I'm already blessed with all spiritual blessings, not just some of them, not just a couple. Everything, everything that Jesus ever died to do has already been provided and it's all on the inside of me. I am loaded. I've already got everything. Once you start thinking that way, that doesn't mean that you won't have problems, but that means when that problem comes, you'll know that, man, how can this be? Because I've got this supernatural power of God on the inside and you just start applying your faith. You stand, you speak, and you will see what's on the inside come on the outside. It will work and you will overcome. But man, what a great passage of scripture this is. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath, past tense, already blessed us with all spiritual blessings, spiritual, heavenly, and earthly blessings in Christ Jesus. You've already got everything in Christ. When you got born again, Jesus came and lived on the inside of you and Jesus can't come in just seed form. Jesus can't come and just put one toe in your life, one finger in your life. You don't have just a little bit of Jesus. And the more holy you get and the stronger you get and the more of Jesus and the more of these things. No, if you are born again, then that born again part of you is identical to Jesus. 1 John chapter 4 verse 17 says, As Jesus is, so are we in this world. Not so are we going to be in the next world, so are we in this world. In this world. And again, people think, well, that's not true because you go and look in the mirror and you think, man, I, I'm sick. I'm ugly. And you search your mind and you think, I, I've got discouragement and stuff. I'm not like Jesus. I just don't understand. The Bible is so hard to understand. It's because it's not talking about your body or your mind. It's talking about in your spirit, in your born again spirit as Jesus is you're identical to Jesus. If you are born again, you are a new person in Christ. You are completely brand new. And you can't go look in a mirror and see your spirit. You can go look in a mirror and see what your flesh looks like. You can search your emotions and see how you feel. But the only way to know what you're like in the spirit is to take the word of God. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. John 6, 63. And you hold this up. John, uh, James chapter 1 says that the word of God is like a spiritual mirror. 
The word of God, whoever looks into the word of God is like a man beholding his face in a glass or in a mirror. It's talking about this is a spiritual mirror. If you want to know what your spirit's like, you hold this up and you say, well, right here, I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings. I've got everything. I've got love, joy, peace. You know, the applications of this are just endless. I could spend this entire week just making specific applications and talking about your situation. But you need to let the Holy Spirit help you because I want to go on and share a lot of other things. But when it comes to emotions, the Bible says in Galatians 5, and 23, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. That's what you have in your spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit, that's capital S. But again, if you look at the scripture, like uh, 1 Corinthians six seventeen, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. The Greek word is hes, H-E-I-S, one, a singular one to the exclusion of another. It's not just talking about that you are united and similar. It means you're identical, ounce for ounce, molecule for molecule, if there are such things in the spiritual realm, your born again spirit is identical to Jesus. Either you're in shock or you're in denial or something, but man, that ought to, that ought to at least get an amen or a head nod out of you to think that in the spirit you are identical to Jesus. How do you think Jesus would handle whatever your problem is? Do you think Jesus would be responding with the same attitude that you've got? Would he be begging and crying and pleading with God to move? Or do you think he'd take authority and realize that, man, this is nothing. I'm bigger than this. And yet most of us are going through and we're just acting like we're only human. We even have songs about this. Lord, I'm only human. I'm just a man. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking of you. What a sorry song. (laughs) I am not only human. I am not just a man. One third of me is wall to wall Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. One third of me is identical to Jesus. And if you really believe that, then when the doctor tells you that you're going to die instead of falling apart like a $2 suitcase, you would begin to start responding differently. You'd say, man, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. This doctor, he only is looking at the physical. Bless his little unbelieving heart. He doesn't know. He doesn't know that I'm the righteousness of God. And you'd rise up and you'd act differently. You know, I had to go get an insurance um, physical for insurance on our building. The, um, anyway, it's a long story, but I went and did it. And... They, I witnessed to the doctor and to the nurse about my son being raised from the dead after being dead for five hours. I was telling them about the power of God. They wanted to shave the hair off my chest. I said, this is virgin hair. I said, <laughs> I said how dare you shave this hair off my chest? And anyway, they wound up putting these electrodes on and put uh, bandages around to hold them on and stuff so they didn't have to shave my chest. And so I was on this treadmill and I was going and anyway, I was witnessing to him talking about the Lord. And after it was over, this doctor, he looked at these tests and, you know, he had told me it looked like everything's good. But then he started studying them and he got into the 12 minute and 30 second realm or something like that. And boy, he started grunting and making noise, you know, mm, 
and like these doctors and he started doing all this stuff. And I said, so what's the deal? And he says, oh, you got a problem here. You got a serious problem. And he says, and he started writing down the name of another doctor. And he says, I want you to go get another test. You go today. Don't go back to your office. You go today. We may put you in the hospital and we may do bypass surgery on you before the day's over. Let me ask you, how would you respond? Just think about how you would respond. And, you know, I stood there for a second and tried to process this. And all I could think of is, you know, by his stripes I'm healed. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm not accepting this. And I remember looking at that doctor and I said, that's a lie. I don't believe any of this. And you know, this doctor wasn't used to people telling him that's a lie. He just kind of looked at me like, what are you doing? And I said, you look at that and tell me that that says I've got all of these problems. And he says, well, it really doesn't say that. He says, everybody's heart's a little different. You got something that's just a little abnormal. It was only one one hundredth of a something or another off. And he says, it could, you could be perfect. He says, I just think we ought to go get it tested and make sure. And I said, that's not what you told me. You told me, don't go back to the office. You got a serious problem and you might have to have an operation before the day's over. And I said, you lied to me. And he, uh, well, and he, and he just tore the paper up and he says, leave, <laughs> be gone. And you know what? I had to go get another test because he flunked me on that uh, test. And I had to go get another test and they, they put this dye in me and, and it turns out that this doctor said that those treadmill tests are 50% wrong. He says this thing where they put this dye in you and do it is 99.9% accurate. And he says, you got the heart of a 17 year old and there wasn't any problem. But you know, here's my point. Most people are so committed to the natural realm that if a doctor, an authority figure told you you had something wrong, you would cave, you would cry, you would, and you would embrace sickness and disease. And after you're already in a position of unbelief, then you would begin to start, oh God, please heal me. It is so much easier just to say that that's not who I am. That's not what I've got. I've got the same power on the inside of me that raised Christ from the dead. Greater is he than sin me than he that's in the world. And you stand in that position of authority and you don't get out of it. And you don't let somebody or something tell you that you've got something wrong. I know some of you think I'm weird, but I think you're weird. And that's the reason that I'm having to pray for you instead of you pray for me. That's the reason that you got all of these problems because you just embrace whatever comes down the pike. And if you have a bad feeling, if, you, if something hurts, well, you just go find out what it is and you get a thousand people to say you're dying and you study up on it and read about it. And then after all of this unbelief is accumulated, you go back and go, God, please heal me instead of believing that you were already healed. And standing there and believing that the spirit man is more important than the physical man. And if I've got this power that raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of me, it's not going to stay on the inside. It's getting on the outside. And I am well and you just fight like that. But there's not very many people who will do that. First of all, most people don't know what they have. Most Christians, again, will embrace hurt, pain, sickness, disease. 
and just allow it to run its course. And then after they get tired, they'll start, oh God, could you please move? And they start begging God to move. And the truth is he's already moved. He already placed on the inside of you the power that it takes to overcome this problem. And you ought to be standing there releasing it and taking your authority and commanding things to work instead of begging God to give you something that he's already given you. Missed another great spot to say amen. You know, when our son died, we were, woke up at uh, 4.15 in the morning and my oldest son, Joshua, called and said, Dad, I'm sorry to tell you, but Peter's dead. And I asked him what happened. I said, don't let anybody touch him until we get there. And Jamie and I agreed and we believed God, commanded him to come back to life. But you know what? On the way in, we had to get up and it's about an hour's drive from our house into Colorado Springs and so we had to get up and drive into Colorado Springs. And during that drive, our, we lived so far out, our cell phones didn't work. There wasn't any way we could get an update and find what was going on. And I began to start having discouragement, grief, <coughs> sadness, sorrow come on me, the same that anybody would if your son died. I began to have the same feelings. But you know what? I knew just like this verse I was quoting, uh, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Your spirit is like that all of the time. When you get depressed and discouraged and sad and grieving, you know what? It's not your spirit that's grieving. It's your soulish part. And most of us are only in touch with the soulish part of us. We don't know what the spirit is like. But because of these truths that God has given me, I knew that I was already blessed. I knew that I already had love, joy, and peace. And I had a choice. I could either operate in this grief. I could either let my emotions run and I could start feeling grief and sorrow and I could give into it and then start asking God to move and touch me. Or I could believe what he said that I already have the same power on the inside of me. I've got these emotions. I've got these good emotions. I could either believe that or I could go with my feelings. And I just chose to go with what I believed. And even though I felt like crying, I decided to start praising God. And I started just praising God. Father, I thank you. I'm full of love, joy, and peace. I thank you that I've got your life. And when I did, you know, the Holy Spirit. Once you start taking a little step of faith, I guarantee you the power of the Holy Spirit will move through that. And he brought scriptures back to my remembrance, prophecies to my remembrance. And anyway... Like I said, we didn't have an update, but I looked over at Jamie and I said, this is going to be the greatest testimony we've ever had. And I was actually rejoicing. I was actually praising God. And we got in, found out my son had been dead for five hours and he was in a cooler, stripped naked with a toe tag on, pronounced dead, and he just sat up, started talking. And praise God. Dead for five hours. Came back and no brain damage. No more than he had before. It was a miracle. And then this last, the last few weeks, he and I have been building a tree house for my granddaughter who was born the next year that we wouldn't have had if God hadn't raised him up from the dead. And you know how all of that happened? Because instead of saying, oh God, please move. Instead of calling somebody and oh, please agree with me and try and get God to move. We just took what we already had and we spoke our faith and stood on it because we realized that there is more going on than what you can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. 
There are things in the spirit realm. I'm already blessed. I've got the same power on the inside of me that raised Christ from the dead. And because of that, I believed it on the inside and it manifested itself on the outside. But you know, the average person, again, is not believing that they really have this. What they believe is God's power is out there and it may be available if they will pray hard enough, if they will get enough people to pray, if they will live holy enough, if they will do something, maybe they could get God to move. But man, that's a, that's a huge difference between that and understanding that God's already moved and He's put this power at my disposal and it's mine and I've got it. There is a huge difference between believing God can do something and believing that God has done it. I don't know if I can get this across to you. I'm saying it every way that I know how to say and yet most people just can't get this because this defies logic. It defies logic to believe that something is happening that your little peanut brain can't see or feel. But it's true. There's television signals in this room. You can't see them. You can't hear them. But they're here. And if you say, well, they aren't here. Why aren't they here? Well, I don't see anything. I don't hear them. That doesn't mean that they aren't here. It just means that you aren't real smart. (laughs) They are here. And all you have to do is take a set And plug it in, turn it on, tune it in. And did you know that when you start seeing and hearing the television signal is not when the signal originates. That's not when it starts. It's already here. You just weren't receiving it. You have to take a receiver. A television set doesn't broadcast a signal. All it does is receive what's already here in an unseen realm and put it into a format that you can see and hear. It doesn't originate anything. If you were to go cut down the tower, stop the broadcast, you can turn a television set on and all you'll get snow out of it. There isn't any, a television set does not produce a television signal. It only receives what is already here. And this is what a Christian should be doing. Instead of asking God to heal, instead of asking God to move, and oh God, pour out your spirit, and oh God, please do something. Instead, if we would just start finding out what he's done and say, praise God, I believe that, I receive it, and learn how to release it into the physical realm. There is a huge difference between that and what most Christians are doing, begging God and pleading with God to move. As if God was your problem. I have people come to me all the time and they say things like, would you please pray that God would just pour out his love in my life? And I'll say, no, I will not pray something like that. And most people like, well, what's wrong with that? Because that's an insult against God. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave. God has already commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. God has already commanded his love. He's promised he'd never leave us nor forsake us. And on and on and on, all of these promises go. And yet people just ignore all of that and say, but I don't feel anything. And because I don't feel it, that must mean that God isn't doing anything. God doesn't love me. So would you please pray for, would you please get an unbelief with me the way that I am and ask God to move and to pour out his spirit? No, I won't do it. Man, when somebody says something like that, the spirit of slap wants to come all over me. Like what's wrong with you? If you don't feel the love of God, it's not God who's cut off the love. It's you that turned off the switch. It's your receiver that's broken. You know, if your television set wasn't working, you wouldn't call the television station and say, fix your your broadcaster, your tower. No, you'd call somebody to repair your set. You have more faith in the television station than we have in God. 
We believe that the television station is broadcasting all of the time. And if it's not working, it must be something wrong with my receiver. But when it comes to something here, if, if you don't feel the love of God, well, then God, why did you quit loving me? God didn't quit broadcasting. Your receiver's broken. You've allowed the devil to get your focus off of God. You've looked at something else and there are reasons. And we're going to talk about some of that. But you ought to always work on your receiver. If a person wants to come and say, look, I know that the word says that God loves me, but you know what? I don't feel the love of God. Something's wrong with me. Would you pray with me and help me to get straight so that I could experience the love that God has for me? I'll pray with you for that. I'll pray and help you to get your receiver fixed, but I'm not going to sit there and, oh God, please send your love towards this person. I've had people come before and say, would you please pray that God had saved my husband? I've been praying for 20 years and God hadn't done it, but maybe if you will pray... God will save them. And I said, I, I will not do that. And well, what's wrong with that? You're saying that it's God, that it's up to him whether or not a person gets saved. And if you just pray properly, then God would just touch this person and save them. God has done everything about saving a person that he can possibly do. He died for them. He sent the Holy Spirit. He's convicting them constantly. He's sending people across their path. He has people like me being on television and radio and putting out the truth. And, and there are just multitudes and multitudes of things that God is doing to change people's lives. It is not God who isn't saving people. It's the devil who's blinding their eyes. It's people who are not speaking the word to them that's the problem. And you aren't going to get a person saved through prayer and begging God. Boy, there's a bunch of you in here that I can guarantee you this is exactly what you're doing with people. You're praying and God, why haven't you saved them? And you take it as if it's personal that he hasn't answered your prayer. God's already died for their sins. He's already done everything. It's not God who's not saving them. They have a free choice. The way to pray for a lost person isn't to say, oh God, please save this person and plead with them and take it personal if, it, if they don't get saved. Instead, the way to pray for a lost person is to say, Father, thank you that you have already committed your love towards them, that you love them more than I do. You want this person saved more than I do, and you've already done everything. You've already paid all of the price. So, Father, thank you that you aren't my problem. You want them saved. I know that you're dealing with them. Now, I take my authority. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. I bind the God of this world who has blinded their eyes so that they can't believe. And Satan, I break this blindness, bondage, and you rebuke it. Then you pray Matthew 9, 38. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers into the harvest. Father, I know that they're going to be born again by the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. That you are born again through the incorruptible seed of the word. It's not going to be a virgin birth, a virgin born again experience. There's going to have to be a seed planted. Somebody's got to tell them the truth. How can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear without a preacher? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So you pray labors to come across their path and say, Father, I thank you that right now you're sending someone into that bar. You're sending someone into the job that is going to sit next to them that'll tell them the truth. That their neighbor or somebody who is spirit filled will rise up and begin to start speaking the truth. And you start releasing the word of God. If you can, you go talk to them. I believe it's useless to pray somebody else to be a laborer. If you could be a laborer and you're just too intimidated to do it. 
But sometimes you can't reach them. Sometimes there's a distance problem. Sometimes they've already cut you off or whatever, and you have to pray laborers across their path. And you pray like that. But see, you can be involved in praying for a person, but to plead with God, oh, God, save this person. It's actually a slap in the face of Jesus. Like, well, Jesus, if you wanted to, you could just save this person. No, he's already died for their sins. He's already sent the Holy Spirit. He's already convicting them, but he gave them a choice. He will not force them. I can guarantee you it's never God who is not dealing with people. And yet this is the way that we pray. Like, oh God, save this person. We, we pray stupid prayers. I bet you every one of you have been in a church before where they pray, oh God, we ask you to come and be with us today. Oh God, just be with us. Oh God, come. You know, used to, when I went into churches a lot, they always wanted to take the preacher into the back room before you got up to preach. And they would pray and ask God's anointing to come and anoint you and be with you. And I am so polite and kind, I never said anything. You know me, I'm not blunt. But I just sit there most of the time and bite my tongue because I always think, Why did you invite me if you think I'm not anointed? And five minutes before I go out, I've got to get God to anoint me? Why would you invite anybody to come minister in your church that you don't think is anointed? But see, this is what, oh God, please anoint me. Oh God, please touch me. And we think that it comes and goes and we pray things like, God, be with us today. What a stupid prayer. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And yet we say, oh God, be with us today. Why would you pray something like that? Well, it's because uh, nobody's spoken tongues. Nobody's rolled on the floor. Nobody's shouted. There hasn't been a scream. There hasn't been anything. You are looking for something physical instead of just believing what the Word of God says is true in the spiritual realm, that God is always here. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so we ask Him to come and be with us. And people think, well, that's a small thing. What what are you talking about? It's a big thing. It shows that you don't believe what the Word says. Because you don't have a goosebump, you think God isn't with you. And throw the word away. Oh, I know that it says by, you know, that he'll never leave me nor forsake me, but I don't feel anything. Well, then your feelings are wrong. Was that too subtle? Anybody, anybody miss that? But I don't feel healed. Well, then your feelings are wrong. The truth is you were healed. You got the same healing power raising on the inside of you, living on the inside of you. But I don't feel, but the doctor says, the lawyer says, here's what my bank statement says. Well, then let God be true and every man a liar. Why don't you just believe what the word of God says? But I don't feel this. I haven't seen this. The doctor didn't confirm it. The lawyer didn't confirm it. The banker didn't confirm it. I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, I'm trying to be nice, but that's just bad. That's just bad. And that's where most of us live. Most of us just live in a place of unbelief, asking God to do something. You know, if God could be confused, I believe God would be confused. There's no telling how many millions of prayers go up. Oh God, stretch forth your hand and heal me. I can just imagine Jesus saying, Father, I promise you, I told them that by the stripes... (laughs) 
They were healed. I said it. It's just them that's not believing it, but I did it, honest. And yet we're asking him to heal us and by stripes we were healed. We're already blessed. We've already got everything. It's all done. What part of everything do we not understand? What part of already blessed do we not understand? If you were to get this mindset and just start saying, man, I've already got it. That doesn't mean that you'll never have a problem come. But when that problem comes, instead of caving, Instead of giving in, you'll say, that's a lie. That's not what I've got. That's not who I am. And you'll be able to stand against it and you'll be able to see your faith work. Brothers and sisters, God's already given you all things that pertain into life and godliness. It comes through the knowledge of Him over in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. All things that pertain unto life and godliness come through the knowledge of Him. Notice it didn't say it came through prayer. It didn't come through begging. It doesn't come through holiness. It doesn't come through earning this. It comes through the knowledge. God has already given you everything. And then verse 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might be partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. It's by these promises... I mean, by this knowledge is given us the promises. So what it's talking about is this word, the word that contains all of these promises. This is the knowledge that everything that pertains unto life and godliness comes through this. And the problem is most of us know more about what the doctor has to say, what the banker has to say. We know more about the recession than we do about what God's word has to say about he'll supply our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You know, I have no idea what's happening in this area, but I know that there's people all around the world that are talking recession. There are people that have been committing suicide. They had a real estate woman in Colorado Springs jump off of a bridge in front of a bush and kill herself, commit suicide. Lots of people have been committing suicide because the economic situation is so terrible. And yet God said he would supply our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Ashley and Carly Teradas came from England. Their little daughter, Hannah, is the one that God healed, if you've seen Hannah's story. And Ashley and Carly came over here to the U.S. They're now working for us and stuff. And Ashley is prospering more than he's ever prospered in his life. During a recession in another country where there's limitations on what kind of work he can do and everything else, and he's prospering hand over fist because he's believing God, and God is prospering him, and he's doing good. And I'm not mad at you. I'm not trying to criticize you, but I'm trying to raise your head up and get you to looking higher and looking beyond this world system. There are some of you that are just so trapped, but, but it's bad financially and our job is laying off. God will supply your needs supernaturally. You aren't limited to that job unless you limit God to it. God has put the same power on the inside of you. If If Jesus needed his taxes paid, he knew exactly the fish that where the money was. And you know what? He was able to pay his taxes. God can get you, get the money to you. God, it is no problem with God. There's no reason for you to be griping and complaining about the situation. 
Did you know since the stock market tanked and went down 50%, Jamie and I made 61% profit in the stock market. Some of you, you can't do that. Well, then don't wake me up because that's my testimony and I'm sticking with it. And we just met with the guy who invests our money and he told us, he says, you know, everybody's doing good in this investment that you're in. But he says, yours investment is better than any of my other clients. He didn't have an explanation for it. I said, I do. It's the blessing of God. Amen. We just believe and we're blessed. And some of you, well, that won't work in New England. Well, that's the reason that it doesn't work for you. You don't understand the economy in Boston. That, that thinking has limited what God can do. But the truth is you're already blessed. And these blessings aren't according to the U.S. economy. It's not according to who's in the White House. It's not according to the political system. It's according to His riches in glory. And if you would believe that and begin to start saying, I don't care what happens in this economy. I'm blessed. Amen. I don't care what happens. And there are some of you, well, I do that as long as it's not really bad. As long as it's a minor thing. I believe that God could overcome a little problem. But if the whole economy tanks, you can't overcome that. Well, then that thinking is what's limiting God. You know, there was a friend of mine in Pueblo, Colorado, who pastored a church. I went there about every six months and ministered. And it was, Pueblo, Colorado is a small town. I'm not sure what the population is, but maybe 15, 20,000. I, I don't know. It might be more than that. But anyway, it was a steel mill. And it was a huge steel, steel mill. And uh, it closed down. And when it closed down, they had like 70% unemployment in that town. Because it employed nearly all the people. And we went to this church and this guy stood up and every time they started a church service, he would stand up and he had a confession that his whole church read. And he said, Pueblo, Colorado is the number one place to live in the United States. Our economy is diversified and we have the lowest unemployment in Colorado. And he was saying those things when it was 70% unemployment. Over 70% of his people were out of work. They had just moved into a a shopping center and taken it over. They had about two or three hundred people and they took over this huge shopping center believing in a big growth. And then this terrible thing happened and I mean the bottom fell out. And instead of responding and complaining, he started this confession. And I forget the exact length of time, but within six months or one year, I was on an airplane. I read in a magazine that Pueblo, Colorado had the lowest unemployment in the entire state of Colorado. It had been voted the number one place to live and work in the United States. It is recovered. And the, in, the way that that town looks has changed. Everything changed. And people say, you can't do that. They did it. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we're shortchanging God because we don't know. We, we believe he can do something and we start praying and, ble- and pleading with God instead of taking our authority and say, I am blessed. I've already got it. I've already got everything that it takes. Amen. You're already blessed. If you're born again, you have the same power on the inside of you that Jesus has. The only thing that's wrong is you don't have the same mind that Jesus had. You don't have a renewed mind. And because of it, we allow other things to discourage us and cause fear. But the truth is, you've got everything that you need. You don't need God to do something for you. What you need to do is quit doubting God and start believing what the Word says. 
I just about got stuck on verse 3. In verse 4 it says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be uh, holy and without blame before him in love. Man, I could preach on every one of these verses. He chose you before the foundation of the world. What does that do to the mentality that it's dependent upon how you act and how holy you are and whether you dot every I and cross every T and do everything right? He chose you before the foundation of the world. He had a plan for you before you were ever conceived in your mother's womb. I can give you many scriptures on that. Man, God is not looking at you and when the recession hits, He's... What are we going to do? He's already anticipated every problem. He's already dealt with everything. Before the doctor told you you had a disease, he already had the antidote for that disease on the inside of you. Before you ever had a financial problem, he already had the answer made. Before you ever had a discouragement come your way, God knew it was coming and he already supplied all of the joy and the peace that it takes for you to deal with anything. Before anything happens in your life, nothing catches God by surprise. He's already placed everything on the inside of you that you need. And when you get down and start singing these songs about I'm just a poor wayfaring pilgrim, a trudging through this world below, further along we'll understand why. Further along we'll we'll know all about it. Cheer up, my brother. Cheer up, you sorry thing that has nothing going for it. We sing these Christian songs that are just Christian country and Western, griping and complaining about everything. And we magnify. Most Christian music is just sorry. It's terrible. It'll kill you. You know, I actually, sometimes when I travel, I'll turn on a Christian station and some of it I like, but I'd say that nine out of 10 times, I'll start listening to Christian music and I'll just, I'll either shut it off or sometimes I've actually turned over and listened to secular music. And I said, I'd rather just listen to somebody sing and glorify the devil that I can tell that it's bad and it's obvious rather than listen to this junk and get that tune going in me, griping and complaining about how bad everything is. Most Christian music is just wailing and talking about, oh, how bad we feel and oh, Jesus, could you please come touch me and something like that, it just, it just makes me mad. If I was God, I'd just drop kick us off the earth into, <laughs> into space. Man, he's already blessed us. He's chosen us. It says in verse five, he's already predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. You have been adopted. You know, I was just recently in an orphanage in Uganda and, and I was telling them, I said, my mother was an orphan. She was abandoned at birth, never knew her parents. And kids, of course, you know, can be brutal to each other. And kids would make fun and say, you're adopted. And my mother had so much wisdom. She says, my parents chose me. Yours had to take what they got. She says, I'm special. I'm special. My parents chose me. And I was telling these orphans that. And you know what? They just lit up like, we are special. Maybe we had some bad things happen, but this Molly and Remy have adopted us. They chose us. We're special. We may have been forsaken by people in this life, but God adopted you. He has predestined you. Man, every one of these words I could preach on. If you just read this from the mindset in which it was given, 
It would transform your life. God isn't in the process of thinking about it, whether he wants you or not. Man, he chose you before the foundation of the world. He has a purpose and a plan for you. God's plans for you are better than your plans for yourself. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. It's thought of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. God has something good for you. You aren't a mistake. I don't care if your parents knew you were coming or not. God knew you were coming. And before the foundation of the world, he predestined you. And God's got a perfect plan for you. If your life isn't absolutely awesome, it's because you're messing up God's plan. God has an absolutely awesome plan for you. And it ought to make you wake up in the morning so excited to be alive. Like, man, what is God going to do today? And if that's not your attitude, it's not because God doesn't have a plan for you. It's because you are blinded to it. You're thinking like a natural person. You're thinking like a person that doesn't know God. You've been predestined to be adopted and on and on. Man, I hate to skip any of these verses, but I'm never going to get down here any other way. I need to hurry up. Mercy. It's all right. Let me just real quickly share some things with you. I've got a lot more that I want to share, but in, uh, let's go down to verse 14. He starts praying a prayer. Verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. You know, if you were to go back to verses 6, 7, and 8, you'd find out that He's already abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. So the truth is, God's already given you wisdom. It's not in your physical brain up here. It's in your spirit, and it has to be mined and brought out. So when He's praying that God give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, if you take it in context, this isn't even asking that God do something new. It's just asking that this spirit of wisdom and, and discernment and all of this knowledge and prudence that he's already given us would begin to work and we would begin to see these things. You know, think about this as I go through this prayer and read this prayer. If you were writing a prayer for people that was going to be read 2,000 years in the future, this was written 2,000 years ago. And if you were writing a prayer for people 2,000 years in the future and you knew that they were going to read this and if you were praying a prayer for them, how would you pray? The average Christian would pray something like, Oh God, pour out your power on this generation. Oh God, move. Oh God, send revival. Oh God, touch them. Oh God, do a new thing. It would all be pleading with God to do something that he hasn't done for that group of people. But if you'll go through as we read this prayer, notice he's not asking God to do anything. He's asking God to show them what he's already done. Open up their understanding. Let them see what they already have. This is the prayer that ought to be prayed for all of us today. And yet the church is pleading with God to send a revival. God doesn't need to send a revival. God's already sent a revival. It's on the inside of you. And all you got to do is find out who you are in Christ. And you go out and start walking in it and raise a few people from the dead. And you'll have all the revival you can handle. Amen. You start walking in the supernatural power of God. And when they tell you you're going to die, sit there and say, I shall not die. But you live... And I guarantee you, you'll have a revival in your family. They'll start saying, what's going on with you? How are you doing this? 
But instead, we got all the Christians on their knees in their prayer closet asking God to do what he told you to do. He told you to go out and preach the gospel. These signs will follow you. There's no point in signs following you in your prayer closet. There's no point in God's power manifesting as long as you're just kneeling in your prayer closet. You need to get out there in front of the unbelievers, the people that you work with. And when somebody says, well, I got a diagnosis and I got terminal cancer, stand up and say, well, I can handle that. Amen. I lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And you start praying for people and walking in the power of God and you'll see revival. This whole thing of praying for revival is a smokescreen from the devil to get us to where we're asking God to do what he told you to do. He told you to go out and preach the gospel and miracles will happen. And I guarantee you, if you go preach the gospel, you'll either have a revival or a riot in a, in a short manner of time. I don't disagree with the fact we need revival. I just disagree that it's something we got to plead with God to send. Instead, he's already put this power on the inside of us. And what we've got to do is recognize our place, start walking in it, and you'll have all the revival that you can handle. Amen. 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 Thank you for that thunderous silence. So notice, he's not asking God to give them anything new, but he's praying that they'd get the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of what they've already got. In verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Man, I wish I had a couple hours to preach on that. It's not just your calling. It's his calling. It's him doing it. It's not you. Paul said, it's not me, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20. I was telling our prayer ministers here tonight. I said, you know what? These people don't know you. When you come up here, just talk like Jesus. Act like Jesus. Do what you would expect Jesus to do. And that's the way that we should all be doing. I said, don't transpose your doubts, your fears onto any of the people. Just stand there and act like you believe Jesus would act if they came up and said something. Man, it's his calling. What is the hope of his calling? Most of us just... We know ourselves so well. We know our failures. We know all of our warts and every problem that we've got. And because of it, we just don't expect a lot from God because we do it based on who we are. But we have been called to His calling. Man, that's powerful. I could preach on that a long time. The eyes of your understanding being in light that you may know what is the hope of His calling. What is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. His inheritance isn't out there in heaven. There are people that sing, when we all get to heaven, what a day that will be. And they talk about in heaven, everything's going to be awesome. Well, heaven's going to be awesome, but it says the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. What God has on the inside of you individually, if he ever had to replace it, it would bankrupt heaven. All of the gold are on the streets. All of the glory, all of the angels, everything that God is... Everything that you can imagine in heaven, you have all of that and more on the inside of you. The glory of his inheritance is in the saints. It's not out there somewhere. You don't have to pray heaven down. You got to pray heaven up out of you. Man, that's awesome. In verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, 
which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, etc. You have the same power on the inside of you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, The word according to means to the degree of or to the proportion of the power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You know, if somehow or another you could put the power of God on a meter, like one of these VU meters like this, and if you would show creation, creation and anything that God has ever done compared to raising Jesus from the dead, when He raised Jesus from the dead, that was the greatest display of His power. That's greater than creating the heavens and the earth. That's greater than creating anything that He's ever done. It's the greatest demonstration of His power that the world has ever seen. Because... When he created the heavens and the earth, there wasn't opposition. But when he raised Jesus from the dead, Satan and every demon in hell were against that, trying to stop that from coming to pass. You know, the church that I go to, they have a, an Easter display and they, they show this pageant about Jesus and all of these things. And they have a person that acts like the devil. It's a, a personification of the devil and he's always in the crowd yelling crucify him crucify him and stirring up trouble and this person's dressed like the devil and then at the resurrection when it comes to the resurrection you see the tomb and the tomb is sealed and this person who represented the devil was standing there with all of his might pushing against this stone and then they have this explosion and this smoke and when the smoke clears Here's the devil laying flat of his back, the stone on top of him, and Jesus standing on top of the stone. <laughs> Amen. I love that. And I guarantee you, every force of the devil was marshaled against Jesus, and every power in this universe that is ungodly was against Jesus, and yet God raised him from the dead. That was the greatest display of God's power. If you were headed on a VU meter, it would have just pegged the thing out. And that same power is the power that is already in you. You already have it. And yet people are asking God to give them power. And oh God, would you please do this? I had people, I had a guy come one time and he was telling me about all the problems that he had. And he says, I got this pain in my neck that is just killing me. He says, I've got to get relief. And he says, and now I've got problems down my back and down my spine that goes into my hips and I got a sciatica problem and my leg is numb and he says my foot I have neuropathy and he just named everything from the head to the toe and I was just listening to it and he says but the thing that's really bad is my neck and if I could just get my neck healed I could live with the rest of it. And I said, well, I understand what you're saying. I said, if we asked God to heal all of this at one time, I said, the lights in heaven might dim. I'm not sure God has enough power to pull this off. I said, we don't want to overtax him, do we? And he, he just looked at me and he says, boy, that was really stupid, wasn't it? And I said, that was real stupid. I said, you know what? God could heal everything all at once. And he just got healed. But see, some people, they think, oh God, if you could just, I know that this is tough. I've even had people come to me and say, this is really bad. Would you please pray and fast with me for a week before, because we need to fast and pray. This is really difficult. You know, if I fasted and prayed before I prayed for, I prayed for so many people, I'd be plumb gone by now. (laughs) 
It doesn't take a lot of power. The greatest power that was ever displayed was raising Jesus from the dead. And you got raising from the dead power on the inside of you. That's enough to heal your hangnail. That's enough to get you over diabetes, over heart problems, over anything. There is nothing that is any problem except in the way you think. And as we think in our heart, that's the way that it is. And most of us have been thinking wrong. And we've been thinking that God can do it. He's the great I'm going to be. If you listen to prophecies, most of them are about there's coming a day. God is going to do a new thing. There's going to be something awesome. But it's never about what has already happened. It's all, you know, it's just there's going to be something special happen. I'm telling you what, something special happened 2,000 years ago. The world has never gotten over it. The only problem is that most people don't fully appreciate what God has already done. He's already done it. He's already placed on the inside of you the same power that raised Christ from the dead. You do not need a new move by God. You don't need God to do something else. He is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. He is not working Jesus isn't healing people. He's not setting people free. He's not saving people. He's already done it all. People today are just receiving what he did 2,000 years ago. If you ask for the Lord to save you tonight, he doesn't have to come and save you. He did it 2,000 years ago. You just receive by faith what was already yours and it becomes a reality. And people do get born again, but not because God moves special. God doesn't heal people today. He healed everybody 2,000 years ago. Every person who's dying sick was healed. They just didn't know it. They didn't know how to receive it. They believed what the doctor said. They believed what their body said more than what the Word says. God is not your problem. You are your problem. The devil's not your problem. You are your problem. Now the devil's doing everything he can to confuse you and to bring things up that'll counteract this, but he couldn't do it without your consent and cooperation. I'm not saying that the devil's not a factor, but he is not the deciding factor. It's what you think. It's what you believe. And most of us haven't believed that we have everything in Christ. And so we're, we're approaching everything wrong. This whole week, I'm going to try and change this entire paradigm to where, praise God, you begin to recognize I've already got it. God's already placed His power on the inside of me. And I may not yet understand what it is that makes it be released. I may not understand that. But just changing this approach is going to be dramatic in your life. You know, an old blind squirrel will come up with a nut every once in a while if it doesn't quit. And... If you don't even understand how to release all of this power, if you just got hold of this truth and started saying, I know I've got it. I've got this power someplace. And you just start fighting and resisting and confessing it. You would start seeing miracles happen accidentally. Jamie and I saw people, uh, blind eyes open and great miracles happen before we ever heard of Copenhagen, Copeland and Hagen. We didn't even know about faith. We didn't understand any of this stuff. We didn't understand anything except I just knew that I had the same power on the inside of me that raised Christ from the dead. And I prayed for anything and everything that moved. And, uh, you know, just eventually by mistake, I saw some miracles happen. (laughs) If you were to get this attitude, it would transform your life. God's already done it. 
So quit asking him to do what he's already done and you start saying, Father, show me how to receive. Show me the stinking thinking that is short-circuiting your power. But I start praising you that I'm already well. And some people will say, I can't praise him that I'm well when my body hurts. Well, you're just carnal. I don't know any other way to say that. You're just carnal. Well, this is reality. Well, it's only half of reality. There is a spiritual world and you're only playing with half a deck when you're going by how you feel. You're going to have to start operating in faith and take what the Word of God says. And if you'll do that, you can begin to start saying, man, I know that I'm healed. I know that I'm already blessed. I know that I've already got it. I may not see it in the physical, but I will because I'm going to believe this in my heart. And as I believe in my heart, that's the way that my physical life will go. And I tell you what, it'll transform your life. Praise God. So I'm going to say this this weekend so many different ways that I believe you're going to get it. Amen. So I encourage you to come back. Bring somebody with you because people need to start seeing that God has already done His part. We don't need to plead with God and learn how to beg God. We need to start learning what we've already got in Christ, who we are in Christ. And if you'll do that, it'll, it'll change your life. Let me say that if you aren't born again, if you don't know Jesus personally, then all of these things I've said tonight don't apply directly to you because you don't have that power that raised Christ from the dead on the inside. All of this comes through Jesus. There is no way to access God except through Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. There are not many paths to God. There are not many religions, and all of them lead to God. There is only one way to God, and His name is Jesus. And you have to confess Jesus as your personal Lord. You have to be born again. And only after you are born again do you become this new person in Christ. And there's a lot of people that even call themselves Christians and they would think, well, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But just believing that doesn't make you saved. It says in James chapter 2, verse 19, it says, You believe that there's one God? The devils also believe and tremble. But won't you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Just believing that God, that Jesus is God, doesn't mean that you've done anything that the devil hasn't done. And the devil's not saved. Just acknowledging that God exists is not salvation. It says in Romans 10, 9 that you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and you shall be saved. Believing that He is Lord is more than just mouthing the words. It means you're making a commitment of your life. And there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians. They believe some of the Christian facts, but they have never made Jesus their Lord. They aren't changed. And somebody might be thinking, well, how do I know? The Bible says, He that believes on the Lord has passed from death unto life. And you have the witness in yourself. And you know that you have passed from death unto life. When you get born again, there's a change on the inside. Whether it's visible on the outside, to the degree that it's visible on the outside, is dependent upon how much you renew your mind. But you get changed inwardly right away, and you know whether or not you're born again. So if there's anybody who's not sure about that, you ought to make Jesus your Lord. And then is when all of these things I've been talking about tonight happens. 
And then Jesus also told his disciples, once they got born again, he says, don't go tell anybody about what has happened, about me raised from the dead, until you receive power from on high. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you is when this power manifests itself in your life. My life has actually changed more when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues than when I got born again. Inwardly, the change took place when I got born again. But outwardly, as far as the demonstration of it, is when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And I know that there are some people here, because I don't scream and shout and spit on my television program, and I don't rub my fevered brow and say, glory to God, then some people don't realize that I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. But I am. And I'm telling you, you'd have never seen me up here without the power of the Holy Spirit. I was an introvert. Couldn't look at a person in the face. But when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, man, I received power and it changed my life. And so you need these two things. Every person in here needs to be born again and you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues. It's not limited to that. There's a lot more. But in the Bible, when people receive the Holy Spirit, they spoke with tongues. And somebody might be thinking, well, I don't believe you have to speak in tongues. I don't believe you do either. You get to speak in tongues. It's a privilege. It's powerful. Somebody said, well, I'm not sure it's for everybody. Sure it is. It's like a pair of tennis shoes. When you get them, they all come with tongues. (laughs) Amen. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they all come with tongues. If you aren't speaking in tongues, either you don't have the Holy Spirit or you've been messed with. Somebody's messed with your theology. So you need to receive these two things. If there's anybody in here who doesn't speak in tongues, you need to come and you need to receive this gift of speaking in tongues. Somebody says, well, they don't do that in my church. That's the reason I'm not in your church. (laughs) But they do it in the Bible. I do it. I tell you, speaking in tongues is super powerful. You need this gift of speaking in tongues. So is there anybody here tonight to say, I need one or both of those things. Would you pray for me? Anybody here like that, that either needs to be born again and or you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this gift of speaking in tongues. Anybody else? Here's people over here. And this side of the church uh, crowd is receiving a lot better than this side over here. (laughs) Anybody else? You know, if you don't speak in tongues, you ought to have your hand up. Amen. You ought to say, I need this. Lots of you. You know, if you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward and stand right here? And we want to pray with you and help you to receive salvation and or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Let's praise God for these. Just stand right here facing me. Hallelujah. Isn't this great? Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You know, if you would, try not to stand behind people, but instead get beside people and spread out all the way because we're going to have people come lay hands on you. And it makes it easier for our team if they lay, if, if you're spread out, they can come lay hands on you. If we can't accommodate everybody spread out, then we'll have you stand behind, but... Praise the Lord. Isn't this great? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, let me ask you first, before I can pray with any person to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, 
The scripture says Jesus is the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. He's the giver. So you have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anyone here who's not certain whether or not Jesus already lives on the inside of you? If you aren't born again, if you don't feel like you're right with God, if you were to die right this moment and don't have assurance that you'd go to heaven, then you need to be born again. You need to have this salvation before you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand and I'll pray with you first to be born again and then we'll pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anybody? Anybody down here? Here's one down here. If you aren't sure, let's pray and make sure. Anybody else? Anybody else? Here's three over here, four. So that's, here's two more. That's about six, seven, eight or something like that. Anybody else? Let me ask you this question. If you were to stand before God right now and He says, what makes you worthy? What would your response be? If you start pointing to yourself and say, well, I'm a good person and I've tried to live right and I've done this and I go to church or whatever. You know what? You aren't born again. Your faith is in yourself instead of in a Savior. The only answer that will grant you admission to heaven is to say, it's not myself. I've got a Savior. I've made Jesus my Savior. If you wouldn't have answered that correctly, you need to pray and you need to be born again. Anybody else here want to raise your hand? Last time. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. You just got to be sure. All right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to lead those of you that raised your hand. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to say what you need to say based on Scripture. And if you will repeat this prayer and mean it from your heart, then you'll be born again. It's not magic. It doesn't just work by you saying the words. You have to say it with your mouth and believe in your heart. But if you will truly make Jesus your Lord, then you'll be born again. Isn't that a good deal? And it doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus has already forgiven all of your sins. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'd like you to repeat after me. I'd like to ask everybody in here to repeat this prayer so that they won't feel like we're just... Uh, listening to them. Amen. So let's everybody pray this prayer. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive. That you now live in me. I am forgiven. I am saved. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You believe that? Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Welcome to the family. You know, if you believe that and meant that in your heart, in the spirit, you're totally new. You're still either a male or a female. You're still the same height. There's a lot of about you that's the same. And some people will think, well, nothing happened. But in the spirit, you're a completely brand new person. And one of the things that happened, the Bible says that when you get born again, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He created you to fill with the Holy Spirit. So now every person up here has made Jesus their Lord. And according to scripture, you in the spirit realm are a habitation for the Holy Spirit. The reason that's significant is because that's what God created you for. 
is to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in the place that God created for him to dwell. And there is no way that he's going to fail to release the Holy Spirit because that's what you were created for. This is what God made you for. Some people teach that you got to be holy before you can receive the Holy Spirit. If you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. The very fact that you got a problem in your life or sin in your life or failures, that's, that makes you a prime candidate for receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So don't let some religious teaching tell you that God won't give the Holy Spirit to you. He will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask is what the Bible says. Roman, uh, Luke eleven thirteen. He will give you the Holy Spirit. So we aren't going to beg. We aren't going to plead. We're going to believe that God wants you to have the Holy Spirit more than you want to have him. And all we're going to do is just open up the door and allow the Holy Spirit to come in. Amen. Just a simple ask. And then I've got our prayer ministers. I'd like to ask all of them to come up here. And we're going to have people who already have the Holy Spirit. They're going to come up here and stand behind you. And they're going to lay hands on you. Because the Bible says that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. You can actually release the Holy Spirit through laying hands on people. So we're going to come up and we're going to lay hands on you and release this power into you. After you pray and ask, then they're going to lay hands on you and release this power. And then I want you to quit asking and start thanking God. Take a step of faith that He gave you the Holy Spirit, regardless of what you feel like. Some people expect an overwhelming emotion. Sometimes it comes that way. But personally, when I received the Holy Spirit, I didn't feel a thing. Matter of fact, at first I wondered if anything really happened because I felt nothing. But I just decided I'd believe. And man, I got the Holy Spirit. So sometimes it can be emotional. Sometimes it's just a step of faith. But you are going to ask and then quit asking. After they lay hands on you, start thanking Him. And just start praising Him and thanking Him. And then those of us that know how to pray in tongues are going to speak in tongues because the Bible says that when you pray in tongues, you are giving thanks. 1 Corinthians 14, 17. So we're going to start thanking God in this language. And as we start speaking in tongues, I want you to speak in tongues with us. And I know some of you think, well, I don't know how to speak in tongues. What do I do? I've got a book I'm going to give you. It will explain all of this. It will answer your questions. I'm not going to take more time right now to explain it any further. But if you're ready, you can speak in tongues right now. Let me just say one thing, that the number one thing that stops people from speaking in tongues is they think that the Holy Spirit's going to take your mouth and make it talk. That's not how it works. It's very similar to how I ministered tonight. I asked God to speak through me. I believe that God did speak through me, but He didn't take my mouth and make it talk. He didn't just possess me and, and force me to say these things. That's the reason it came out in Texan. That's the reason it came out in my personality. It was me talking. The Lord didn't take my mouth and make it talk. I spoke, but I believe that God inspired it. That's the way speaking in tongues is. It says in Acts 2, 4, they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or the inspiration. You have to talk. You have to speak and by faith believe that God has given it to you. And I promise you that once you do it, you will experience God just flowing through you. It will quicken you. There will be so many things and you'll begin to see that, man, this isn't me. It's, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but you've got to speak. 
You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to ask. They're going to lay hands on. You're going to start thanking God. We're all going to pray in tongues. And if you're ready, you can pray in tongues with us right now. Amen? Y'all ready? The Bible says believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer. And I will speak in tongues. Father, I thank you for all of these. According to the word, if they've asked you and believed in their heart, they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we thank you that this is what you created us for. Right now, we just open up the doors of our heart, the doors of this temple. Holy Spirit, we ask for your power to come and fill us and control us. We receive these gifts of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and all of the other gifts. Father, we just open up our heart and receive it now. And we believe and receive. We lay hands on you now in the name of Jesus and say, receive the Holy Spirit. We loose this power into you right now in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that your power is coming upon them and within them. And Father, they now have you dwelling on the inside of them. From this moment forth, they are Holy Spirit possessed. That your power resides on the inside of them. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's. I want you to lift your hands. Just like when somebody sticks a gun in your back. And you put your hands up to say, I surrender. Man, lift these hands. And Father, we. the Bible says when we lift the hands, we bless the Lord. Father, we bless you by lifting our hands. And right now, we thank you that we have been given the Holy Spirit. We no longer are asking. We believe that we have it. We believe that now your power is flowing in us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, those of you that know how to pray in tongues, let's all of us that have this gift, let's just begin to start praying in tongues and worshiping God so that these won't feel like we're listening to them. And as we speak in tongues and give thanks... And glorify God, you start speaking with us. Just start speaking right now. Again, you can't speak in tongues with your mouth closed. So start speaking. If you don't know what to say, try and say what you have. Hear someone behind you saying. But I can promise you, you can't say what they're saying. Your tongue will be unique to you. It's a special gift to you, but you got to start speaking. And once you start trying to speak, can't say what they're saying, but you're saying things that don't make any sense, just keep speaking. Don't worry about what it sounds like. It's like when a baby talks at first. It may not make sense, but you know what? That father knows what that baby's trying to say. Just be bold. Speak out right now. Just speak forth. Speak loud enough that you can hear yourself talking. Thank you, Jesus. Don't worry about what it sounds like. You know, I've actually heard languages that are nothing but clicks of the tongue. Some that are whistles. Some people think that that's not a real language. You may question whether what you're saying, but God is listening to your heart. Just speak right now. Thank you, Jesus. What you're doing, you're bypassing your brain. 
You're praying right out of your spirit. You're bypassing all of the doubt and the unbelief that's in your brain and you're speaking in faith. You're speaking in a language that isn't hindered by your understanding. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Just keep praising the Lord. Man, many, many, many of these are speaking in tongues right now. And there's a power in the anointing of the Holy Spirit flowing through people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. You know, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but let me have your attention here for just a minute. I want to make sure that every one of you get the full benefit out of this. Some of you may have felt something. Some of you may have felt nothing. But you know what? It's like I was preaching tonight. It doesn't matter what you feel. God just released His power. And now it's just a matter of you learning what you've got. And I've written a book on this. Matter of fact, there may be some of you here that didn't speak in tongues. I heard a lot of people speaking in tongues. But if, if you didn't speak in tongues, I still believe that God gave you the Holy Spirit. You just need to learn how to release it. With me, I prayed for this gift of speaking in tongues and it was three and a half years before I spoke in tongues. It doesn't have to take you that long. I was a Baptist, amen. And I had been taught against this and I had fear put in me about this. And so, but anyway, I've got those questions answered. I wrote a book and it will explain the born again experience. If any of you prayed to be born again tonight, it has that in there and it also has this teaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'd like to give this book to every one of you. It's my gift because we want you to get the full impact. I can promise you that what happened here tonight is more important than what you understand right now. You've got to understand. And this book will explain it scripturally. It'll answer any questions. If you didn't speak in tongues, it'll explain about that and tell you how to do it. And uh, so it'll, it'll just be a help to you. So, Ashley, are you the one that's going to take them out? This is Ashley Teradez right here. He's one with the huge Bible. Amen. And uh, anyway, if you would follow Ashley, they've got a place that they're going to give you this book and they will answer any questions that you have. If you need prayer, they'll pray with you. It'll only take a minute, but we want to make sure that you get the full benefit of this. So if you would, just follow Ashley and they've got these books. They're going to give it to you and it'll be a blessing. Amen. Let's praise God for all of these. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, that's awesome. I don't know how many people that is. It might be a hundred people tonight that came to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. This couple came all the way from India to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What a deal. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. These are our prayer ministers down here. And what I'd like to do is uh, offer them for prayer for you. It's, this is not voiding what I was talking about tonight. God has already done everything. But he said that if any two of us agree on earth, that it's like releasing this. 
Maybe, you know, here's another example that might help you. You know, if your battery on your car gets to where it won't work, you know what you do? You pull up another car and you put those jumper cables on them. And what you do, you bypass that dead battery and put this juice that's in the car that's running over to the other car and you jump start it. This is what laying on of hands is. When you lay hands on a person, you're jump starting them, amen. In the spirit, they've got the power of God. But if they've got a loose connection up here that doesn't let the power of God flow, you can lay hands on their physical body and you can bypass their brain and go to their body through your jumper cables. Amen. So anyway, this is what we're offering you. These people are people that believe God. They've all been through a training with Melinda. Right here is Melinda down here. And they know to take their authority and pray. And so if you would like prayer, if you believe that God's already done it, but you need to get it out of the spirit and out into the physical realm. And if you would like somebody to agree with you, just come forward right now and let one of our prayer ministers pray with you. And I'd like to encourage you. Some people think I'm the only one that can pray, but you know what? I can't pray for every person here, but through these prayer ministers, we can pray for every single person, every single situation. So if you'd like prayer, just come forward. We've got people standing at the aisles that will direct you towards one of the prayer ministers. And uh, we'll be able to pray with you and minister to you. Let me remind you, we will be back tomorrow morning. We've got Friday and Saturday morning meetings. Also Friday and Saturday night meetings. We have CDs and DVDs of tonight already duplicated out there. And you can pick them up. Some of you need to get this so you can listen to it again, but also so you can share it with other people. And if you'd like to stay and pray with us, I'm going to be praying. And uh, this lady that was back here who had her rotator cuff healed in Phoenix, it was as we were praying like this, I called out things through the gifts of the Spirit. And that's how she got healed was through one of those words that was called out. So we will be praying with people and operating in the gifts of the Spirit. You're welcome to stay and pray with us. But if you're ready to go, you're dismissed. Don't forget the materials on your way out. And don't forget to come back. Bring somebody with you. Amen. Praise God. You're dismissed if you need to be. Father, we thank you for all of these. And we believe according to the word that you've already blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And Father, we've already been healed. That you've already put this power on the inside of us. And Father, we just thank you that that power is manifesting itself tonight. That Father, tonight will be a time that every single person manifests in their physical body what you've already put in the spirit man. We release this anointing and we command sickness and disease to leave people now in the name of Jesus. Satan, we cast you out. We cast out demonic things and command you to loose God's people and to let them go now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I believe that God right now is, is casting out this spirit of sugar diabetes. There is a demonic spirit that has attacked people with this. And I believe that that thing is being broken. You know, if you're one of those that had sugar diabetes, I want you if, uh, to stand and raise your hand so that I can tell if you're already standing that your hand's raised. If you are 
If you're one that's had sugar diabetes, I want you to stand and raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. I believe that God's healing power is flowing in your body. Anybody else? I want you to stand and raise your hand so I can see who this is. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you that right now sugar diabetes is broken. Satan, we command you to get out of these people's bodies. You demonic powers, we command you to loose them and to let them go right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You know, right now, I believe that there's people that are watching this. This may be weeks or months after this program, but there are people watching this over the internet and God is healing you of sugar diabetes right now as you watch this. Here's the healing power of God touching you. Father, we release this anointing now to flow through every one of these people. Pancreas, I command you to come alive now in the name of Jesus. Resurrect from the dead. Come alive and work. Produce insulin in this body. And Father, I thank you that these bodies are once again beginning to be regulated from within, not without by by insulin shots. Father, we release your power and believe that their bodies are healed, that this is over and that your healing power is flowing in their bodies now. And Father, we thank you. We agree and we receive this in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, I prayed with a man years ago who had sugar diabetes and he had one of these monitors that uh, took his blood sugar level and it stored 45 days worth of readings. And when I prayed with him, he showed me, he says, this is my blood sugar level today. And it was 1100, which if any of you know anything about that, he should have been dead. That's comatose. That's life threatening. And he came to me six months later and he brought that same little thing. And he said, here was the day you prayed for me. It was 1100. And then he clicked through 22 days and it went from like 1100 down to uh, 1000 500 and something. And in 22 days, it went down to 115. He monitored himself for another month or something. And eventually he just threw all of that away, quit taking all of his insulin. He lost 160 pounds and God healed him. But it took about 22 days before all of that got straightened out. You know, your body, if God heals your body and your body begins to start producing insulin, it's not going to catch up for all of the time it's missed. It's just going to start working. And it took a little while before his body adjusted. But I believe that same thing has happened. I believe that God's power has flowed into your body. And I believe that from this time forth, your pancreas is going to start working and you're going to be healed of that sugar diabetes. Amen. Y'all agree? Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you that these people are healed now in Jesus' name and that that physical healing is manifesting itself and their pancreas is working in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Father, we agree and we receive. Man, there's a, there's a number of people here that have had a pain in the neck. That is the devil. He is a pain in the neck. Amen. If that's you, if you've had a pain in your neck, I want you to raise, stand, raise your hand so I can see who it is I'm praying for. Here's the healing power of God right now flowing towards you. Father, we release your anointing right now and whatever has happened here to cause this pain in the neck, we just say that that is over in the name of Jesus. 
We release this power that lives on the inside of us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And we command that power and anointing to flow through our physical bodies. Next you be healed now in Jesus' name. Pain leave right now in the name of Jesus. There's some of you that were unable to move in certain ways. You can move your neck around now and it's not going to pop. It's not going to have any pain in it. Here's the healing power of Jesus flowing through your body. Father, we agree and we receive this healing of our necks right now. Some of you that had neck problems also had problems all the way down your back. Here's that same anointing that's healing your neck flowing down your spine right now. Father, we receive this. Somebody here had disc problems. You had discs that were rubbing on each other or something. I don't know. It's a disc problem. Who's this with a disc problem? It might be somebody who is praying for your neck, but it could be somebody. It could be down your back or whatever. But if you've had a disc problem, I want you to stand, raise your hand. Father, we release this anointing right now. And I thank you that these discs are inflating. They are not compressed anymore. We thank you that you heal this. That all of that pain and discomfort are gone off of them right now. We release your anointing, Father, and thank you that you are healing these spines right now and that these discs are healed in Jesus' name. Father, we release this anointing and we thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God, I believe you're healed. You know, the Lord's also speaking that when I was giving that testimony about this person that had that cancer on their chest, that there's some of you that have a cancer on your chest, either breast cancer or this this man had a cancer on his chest. If you've got a cancer here on your chest, here's the healing power of God flowing. Here's a person over here. Anybody else? Anybody else that you've got a cancer on your chest? Stand up, brother. Raise your hand. Anybody else here that's got a, a cancer on your chest? Right there is that lady. She's receiving prayer right now. Father, we just agree. And we release this anointing right now. We command this breast cancer to die. Father, we believe that by your stripes we were healed. That this power is already on the inside of us. And I loose this anointing right now to flow through these bodies. And cancer, we kill you with our words. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. We speak death to cancer. We command that cancer to die now, all of it. Every cancer cell in these bodies die in Jesus' name. Right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, we lose life. We lose your resurrection power with our words and we speak that your anointing is flowing through these bodies. That Father, healing is coming into these bodies. That those things, that cancer is shrinking These tumors are gone. Damage that was done to these bodies is being healed. Damage that's surgery and chemotherapy. Radiation is done. Father, we loose your anointing to restore these bodies. Command their appetite to come back. Father, for their strength to come back. For healing to come into their bodies. Father, we thank you that you have done it. We receive this healing power now in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Man, many things are happening in here. I feel like the Lord is saying that He's healing people's ears. He's healing hearts. There's just a lot of things happening. You know, rather than deal with everything just one at a time, I know sometimes that helps people. It quickens your faith that God would give me a word of knowledge. 
But I just want to ask if your faith has been quickened, if you need something here tonight and your faith has been quickened to believe that God's already done it, all you need is a prayer of agreement. I just want you to stand, raise your hands. We're going to pray for you and I'm going to release the power of God. And I believe that God's healing power is going to flow. And we're going to see a lot of different miracles happen right here. Amen. Just if that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hands. Father, now we pray in agreement. And I thank you for every single person. Father, whatever the problem is, ears, eyes, heart, throat, bowels, feet, knees, Father, anything in our body, we release your anointing right now to flow through our bodies. And we receive this miraculous power. Right now, Satan, we break your power. We command you to let go of us in Jesus' name. We refuse to give you consent and cooperation any longer. We withdraw our consent and we say that you are out of us in Jesus' name. Father, we loose your anointing with our words. And thank you that your power and anointing is flowing through our bodies and bringing healing to us right now in Jesus' name. Here's somebody's stomach that's being healed. You can feel the power of God right now flowing in your stomach. Thank you, Jesus. Right there, all the pain, the bloating is gone. There's the healing power of Jesus. Father, I thank you. We speak healing to hearts now and command hearts to be completely normal and whole, healthy in Jesus' name. Father, we speak life unto people in their mind, in their physical brain. Father, we loose the healing power of God, command tumors to be gone, lesions in their brain to be gone. Father, we release your power and anointing. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's speech has been slurred. Here's the healing power of God setting you free. You're able to speak again now in Jesus' name. Praise God. People that haven't been able to lift your arms without pain and difficulty, here's the healing power of God flowing. You can extend your arms now and move them around. There's your healing in Jesus' name. Father, we agree and we receive this. Thank you for opening up eyes. Thank you for eyesight opening right now for people being able to see. We speak perfect vision. Moses was 120 years old and his natural force wasn't abated or his eyesight dim. Father, I thank you that your healing power is flowing and that eyes are seeing clearly right now in Jesus' name. Here's people's sinuses being healed. People that have been having sinus headaches and allergies and things like this. Here's the healing power of God. Here's lungs being healed now in the name of Jesus. Well, if you'll receive it, there's a healing power of God. Just breathe deeply. Here's God's power. Scar tissue in the lungs is being healed right now. This is going to take a brief period of time, but your lungs are being healed. You've scarred them through something and you're being healed of it right now. And in a very brief period of time, you'll be able to see total deliverance from that and able to breathe properly. Father, we agree and we receive it. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody has damaged your leg down in the calf part of your leg. It's like you pulled a muscle or I don't know what it is. But anyway, pain in the calf of your leg. Here's the healing power of God flowing right now. I believe that every bit of that pain leaves and whatever is damaged is healed. 
We command knees, hips to be healed, joints to be healed now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I loose your anointing to flow into these joints. Arthritis is being healed. People are being delivered of arthritis right now. That demonic spirit of arthritis is broken over you in Jesus' name. We command every bit of that to be gone. And now the swelling, the inflammation, any deformity of the bones. Father, we release your anointing to flow through their bodies and to bring them back to perfect health. Thank you, Jesus. Boy, a lot of miracles are happening. God's touching so many, many people. Somebody here has been struggling with your memory. Not just the typical type of things where you forget where your keys are or your glasses, but I mean, you're dealing with things like uh, Alzheimer's or something. Has You've been having fear of that. Here's the healing power of God flowing towards you. I believe there's somebody watching by the internet that God is ministering healing to you right now in this area. There's the anointing of God. If you'll receive it, the Bible says that the Lord didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Here's a sound mind flowing right now. Father, we agree and we receive this. We receive these miracles. Thank you for opening up ears. If other people are able to hear clearly, no problem. Tinnitus in the ears. I break that now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for complete healing now in the name of Jesus. Father, we just receive all of these miracles. We receive your power in manifestation. And thank you, Father, that you're healing every single person. Even things that I didn't call out. Father, I thank you that people's faith rise right now and they just reach out and receive these miracles. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we give you praise and glory. We believe that you've already done it. We believe that your power is already present. It's on the inside of us. And I believe that there has been a spark tonight that has ignited that flame that's on the inside of them, ignited that material. And that, Father, it is going to start burning and that we are going to see your power manifest in our life in a brand new way because of these truths. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive that and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You know, I wished we had time to be able to get all of the testimonies because I know that there was a lot of people healed here tonight. You know, if you would talk to one of my staff, talk to one of these prayer ministers, they do fill out testimonies. And we will share real briefly some of the things that are happening. But I know that God is touching a lot of people's lives. Praise God. And you know, if the Lord healed one person here, He healed them all. The truth is, God is the same towards all of us. Not everybody receives the same. But we're here to help you to receive and get the most out of it. Amen? Praise God. Well, God bless you. Don't forget all the... Uh, CDs and DVDs of tonight, other materials out there. Remember, we'll be back. We got four more services and I encourage you to come back and be a part of it. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed.